In this week's episode of Collector's Corner, we're visiting the Blu-ray release of the 1996 film Fargo by the Coen Brothers. Oh boy, you betcha, you darn tootin'. I haven't gotten any yet, but I have one on the way. One specific title, which sadly is now going out of print from this certain collection. Oh, that's why you that asked me. Will not be named Criterion. Uh, the movie I'm waiting for is Nashville, Robert Altman's Nashville, because it's going out of print with Harold and Maud and Rosemary's Baby and a bunch of other fantastic movies that Criterion's that's, losing the rights to. Is, I don't know if you're able oh. to explain, but I'm a little confused because like those are all pretty popular movies in the Criterion collection. So why would those go out of print is it just are they is the demand not high enough is it do they have a contract with the studios or something for a certain yeah, amount I, of time i think it's i think they have it has to do with a contract or a deal that they have enable enabling them to create their own version of this movie and they have the rights to it for a certain amount of time but after that amount of time if maybe the movie has more demand and they can't pay the price for it they lose the rights um and that's happened with a lot of movies like uh a famous one is the third man i'm glad i got rosemary's baby i'm happy that hopefully the nashville that i purchased um is legitimate and maybe at some point harold maud will pop up and not cost me an arm and a leg i'm actually we'll looking forward to going to barnes and noble uh to see if that's first of all there for you nate uh, i'm gonna go there this week at some point and uh, also best buy dude i will if it's like 50 bucks i'll send you 75 you can keep the other 25 like Finders i just fee. want it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I'll, i hope i really hope it's well. there for you i really do we'll see but that's not why we're here we're here because this is Collector's Corner. This is episode nine of Those Movie Dudes presents Collector's Corner, our weekly show where we do a deep dive into our own physical media collections. Since it's episode nine, this is the final pick of the third round of films. And we're going to be hearing from Mainstream Boys. So uh, take it away, Tra-la-la. boy. That's me. Yep. Tra la la. Welcome to Mainstream Boys, <laughs> third pick of the rotation of Collector's Corner. Uh, this week, I decided to go with the Joel and Ethan Cohen 1996 crime drama thriller, Fargo. Well, what this guy look like, anyways? Oh, he's a little guy, kind of funny looking. Uh-huh. In what way? Oh, just in a general kind of way. Okay. Well, thanks a bunch, Mr. Mora. You're right. It's probably nothing. But thanks for calling her in. Sure. Looks like she's going to turn cold tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Got a front coming in. Yeah, you got that right. Awesome, cool. Um, tell us about it. Like, uh, why did you? Uh, why did you pick this god awful film? Well, yeah, I'm for for a mainstream boy. I like to pick horrible films. No, um, I I just yep. remember the first time I saw this movie. It was just like I was just floored by kind of the, the scope of the film, just the characters, and how just kind of different it was. The personalities of all of them, kind of the whole atmosphere it created around, um, like this kind of the Scandinavian nature of Minnesota and Fargo and how these people talk and then just kind of how they're just like thrown in there with this crazy, dark, gruesome murder plot, uh, with these, these murder for hire type of guys with Steve Buscemi and this Russian dude. I don't know. It's just a very interesting story that, 
eventually I was the TV show came out and I love that almost equally as much as the film. So definitely something I wanted to revisit because it'd been probably five or six years since I actually checked out this movie or even watched the TV show. So this was kind of the perfect uh, situation to check it out again. A collector's corner. Had you seen the movie before the TV show or did you watch season one and then like, oh, what's what's Fargo? Let me check out I this film. I think I saw the movie first. I think. Okay. Because I have had the Blu-ray for a long time. I just, I don't, I can't really recall the first time I watched it. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I think, was in college um, because I think it was part of my 100 movie watch list that Spencer gave me. Um, but this is just one that I'm super excited to talk about because the plot is pretty basic, I would think, but it's wrong. just executed. Or, huh? or I'm sorry, uh, kidnapping gone wrong, basically. The performances... Like each character is matched perfectly with the right person to do it. And Frances McDormand, I think, gives one of the most... It's It, it was an Oscar-winning performance, but I think it's a lesser-talked-about one that I think is criminal. Because you, you would think she was actually from there. Just yeah. the way she talked, the way she acted. And I was just like, holy, she's so good. Probably, I would say, one of the best ever. She's got two Oscars, so... It's almost like possibly kind of get a third under one under the radar performance because she's she I think she won best actress for this, but she really is in a supporting mm -hmm. role because William H Macy and even like Steve Buscemi and uh, Russian Peter, guy that Peter does Peter his um, they have you know pretty large uh -huh. parts in the film, probably equal to Frances McDormand, but she does really steal the show when she's when she's on screen. She's well, yeah, just I mean, amazing. I, I think <laughs> Frances McDormand doesn't even show up in, uh, into the movie until about like. 20 25 minutes in yeah it takes a little um bit. but just that opening scene with her and her husband how she gets the call like like super early in the morning the husband's like you gotta eat marge like, i'll fix you some <laughs> yeah, eggs I'll make you some eggs and then, like then they just sit there and just eat their conversation <laughs> yeah. like, they, she goes out the door and then uh he, the husband like takes over starts eating her eggs and then she's like oh car's broken <laughs> needs a jump <laughs> it's just like what the fuck who are these people but they're just chameleons they blend in they embody the characters so well that's what I love about her character in this. Whenever we talk about Frances McDormand, Spencer uses the term chameleon. Um, and you know what? Every single time I, I see one it. of her performances, <laughs> it, it rings true because somehow she just fits in every role. And this is just such a specific and unique character that she's taking on. Also, William H. Macy taking on this character. And they just they kill it. They knock it out of the park. It's hilarious. But it's also just such a dark and grimy story at the same time. Just it, But it has incredible balance. Uh, Nate... I must ask you, have yes. you seen this movie a couple times or just maybe This is my second time. Second time. Yep. So what did you th what did you think after a second viewing of this movie? It just gets better because you you're expecting what's happening, but it's just the characters are so goofy, yeah. but <laughs> so relatable. Like like you said the whole opening scene like with the husband waking up with her, like that's how jobs go sometimes you have to wake up super early in the morning before the sun's even out they showed a really good like town camaraderie between them like the way that the cop in the middle of the movie just is randomly driving and gets stopped by a a citizen and they just talk about what that might have happened and he says but i'm going crazy out there at the lake and i says yeah but this ain't that kind of place uh-huh 
He says, oh, so I get it. So you think I'm some kind of jerk for asking, only you don't use the word jerk. I understand. Then he calls me a jerk, says the last guy thought he's a jerk is dead now. So I don't say nothing. He says, what do you think about that? And I says, well, that don't sound like too good a deal for him then. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, he says, yeah, that guy's dead, and I don't mean of old age. And then he says, geez, I'm going crazy out there at the lake. So it's really cool seeing the small or feeling the small town vibes. Um, you can relate to that because it is like that. Like cops and people, they know each other by name. You're able to have that sort of camaraderie. But then again, just throwing this these gruesome acts that are happening, and it leads to something that I'm, I'm not going to give it away, but a pretty gruesome death scene that I don't ex you wouldn't expect from this movie, and the fact that. This all takes place in the winter where it's so harshly bright that these things can happen. It's almost, it kind of, I'm not comparing it to Midsommar, but kind of like a horror film that takes place in the daylight. This is like a thriller that takes place in a relatively cold and kind of dreary place, but still bright nonetheless. Yeah, I, I had seen this film. I mean, this is probably my fifth or sixth time watching it, to be honest. Oh, wow. I would put this on every other year. I remember watching it a long time ago, like over 10 years ago. It was one of the first kind of movies I just put on to check out. Cause like, oh, the Coen brothers. Like, I heard that they're like a cool directors to check out. So I think this is probably my first Coen brothers film. Uh, and I remember just really liking it. I just liked how it just felt so, like, the world felt so lived in. Like, just the community. Like, I love the scene when the cop is just, like, talking to some guy shoveling his driveway. About, like, how, like, the guy was at the bar. He's like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, we're going to get some oh. weather. Oh, yeah. yeah looks oh. like it. It's snow today. It's like, what are they fucking talking about? But it's so hilarious. Like, you just roll with it. And it's amazing. There's so many scenes like that as well. And another thing that this movie has going for it, Roger Deakins' cinematography. The compositions that are in this film is amazing, and I love the setting. Obviously, it's like what Nate said, the winter. It's very gray and gloomy, and it's got that like that tone and that feeling. Shit's going wrong, and like there is just so much <laughs> bottled up tension in like these characters that just something's going to implode, and you just feel the anxiety and the tension throughout this film. I, I think that something the Coen brothers do really well is just they know how to make unique and well-written characters like every single character in this movie has their own vibe about them william h macy is just this like fast-talking broken like schmuck that works at a college Dweeb. car dealership just like everything's going wrong with him just every single every single moment he thinks something's gonna go right something goes wrong and then francis mcdormand is just this like super bubbly but really really smart and intelligent police officer at the same time and then there you know there's a whole bunch of other characters with all their other quirks as well but yes roger deacon cinematography is amazing but the music in this movie is also like one of the most iconic mm -hmm. soundtracks that i've honestly like ever heard and it rings through the tv show as well it's just it, it's able to create yeah, this it, it vibe and, every episode it's yeah the cut to credits in every episode it's it every single time it never That's gets old either i've gone through so, so much <laughs> i've literally in the last five days i watched two seasons because I've, I've just wanted to live in this world even more after watching it i felt like if i was in that town i f would feel so alienated from everywhere else because that's just how like the perception of it looks through deacon cinematography just with that really long road the wide open fields it looks like it it's a hassle to go out to this place and with that music and these things happening there it's terrifying 
because you just show up in this random place. You don't know what happens. You don't know what things could be lurking around each corner. Who's going to show up? Yeah, that's the the interesting thing that they do is they take these small communities, these small towns, and then they kind of reveal that, like, oh, there's some sinister characters living here, and they're going to fuck shit up. And, yeah, it's definitely unsettling. That's something that they... And the dark comedy is just... It's spot on... It was an under-the-radar film, kind of low-budget at the time, but, like, it does have... It won two Oscars, Rance McDormand, obviously, and Best Original Screenplay, and was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Cinematography, obviously Lost, Roger Deakins, and uh, Best Editing. So, very highly regarded film, I think, that unexpectedly was nominated for all these things, because I don't think the Coen brothers or any of the actors really expected it to get the recognition that it that actually ended up... did getting so you know how sometimes if you're watching a movie and you'll get this feeling like you've seen it before or like it's happened in other movies you just get like a familiar sense yeah that ever happened to you guys yeah of course because i was watching this and there was a point with the music and the police car going and just something it felt it had the same feeling i had when i was watching silence of the lambs just this very dark and ominous feeling that something's gonna go wrong. They create that in this small town kind of where you wouldn't expect something to go wrong. And that's what people always say. Like the worst things happen in the places that you'd least expect. The yep. way that they're able to do that and like you said with the music, it just it was haunting. Very haunting. It's, it's almost like like the atmosphere they're able to create with these people that are so uppity and happy kind of in this small town where nothing happens you kind of have to look past that demeanor and they're that's when people are hiding something Mm -hmm. when they're acting this way like they have to be hiding something and that is something that the coen brothers touch on i thought that was a really interesting dynamic uh that definitely comes out in this film and And in most of their movies like with most of their characters they're all just like normal everyday people and if you just peel back a little bit you're like oh that's interesting like let's let's look at that a little bit more (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it's, literally, it's so fascinating. I think that's why people there. gravitate towards their stories so much. We got to talk about that triple murder scene because that was just—that's really like the oh it's shit definitely moment. Definitely the of most the film. brutal point. Yeah, yeah, that, that for sure. Yeah, is so brutal. unexpected too. But it seems like they have to like, sit together, and then no, <laughs> definitely not. Oh, and it just happens out of nowhere. Just the minute this guy gets unsure or he feels paranoid he immediately acts like there's no hesitation and it's just like oh yeah. okay you're just gonna you're just gonna do that okay yeah and it just leads to two more and you're like what is wrong like yeah. why oh my what's God. going through this guy's head <laughs> he peels out and chases them down the street because and they're driving so fast that they've run off the road oh my god i can only imagine but, the horror those people are going through <laughs> but when francis mcdormand she does like an analysis of the crime scene perfectly oh yeah i got uh, took out the cop and then turned around, chased him down there, and killed two of them execution style. Oh yeah, so you're just like yeah. How, oh, how the yeah. fuck did you know? Oh, yeah, what was the guy's name? Police work, Lou. Oh, Lou. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because he uh, ran the uh, ID tags like like D R something. She's like, oh no, no, D-R. those are dealer plates, Dakota. Lou. Dakota, not Dakota. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, are you sure those weren't sure dealer plates yeah. and she looks at him like you dumbass and then but it's like in the nicest way possible did you look in his citation book yeah last vehicle he rode in was a tan sierra at 2 18 a.m under a plate number he put dlr i figured they stopped him or shot him before he could finish filling out the tag number 
So I got the state looking for a Sierra with a tag starting DLR. They don't got no match yet. I'm not sure that I agree with you 100% on your police work there, Lil. Yeah? Yeah. She's a very inspirational character because no, all these bad things that are happening, she knows that she's going to be able to go home to her husband and have like a happy life. And that's almost refreshing that even though the Coen brothers can tell this dark, brutal story, you ha there's a glimmer of hope in that character that just good will prevail. She just gets in bed and her husband just says, I love you. And she's like, oh, I love you too, Norm. That, like, that's like the best relationship. It just of the feels movie. real. It's like the warm, cozy place of this film because everything else is, just ends up being so dark and, and depressing, I guess. Um, but you know that they're just yeah. like made for each other. You know what I mean? And it's just like such a wholesome mm -hmm. relationship. They're just eating Arby's at her desk in the middle of the day. Like it just, it's yeah, I agree with you, man. That was like one of the better, uh, happier parts of the film. The amount of times that they're just eating in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, why? There's like seven scenes. There's one scene with Francis McDormand just going through a drive-thru, getting a burger, yeah. and sitting in the car eating it, and then just driving down the road. But it's so relatable because like, what's pregnant. the first thing you do when you get home from work? You eat some food with your significant other. Like, It's literally just like so realistic, mm -hmm. and it just, it just works. It works so it's well. Funny. That's actually a, a quarrel I have with most films is like the characters never eat. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so you're, you haven't eaten in like two months. <laughs> So. here's one thing about this movie that bothered me in a previous watch and still bothers me in this watch and i'm curious to know what you guys think um because i still don't really get it the the phone call with like her friend from out of town and then she goes and visits him at a buffet then he lies about like um his wife and then she gets a call again later in the movie that's like oh no he made that up it's like i'm what so was the lonely point of all that what was the point behind that whole relationship because looking at the movie that just seems so out of place like i don't know i don't understand like why they decide to explore that or include it in the film um so the, only... the movie it, it's fast-paced like, it goes and flows very well but that is the one thing where i'm like wait what are we doing here this is the only I reason know, i can maybe just like cement that scene is just because it, it kind of adds to the whole atmosphere of like how people act in in just this environment like she goes to the hotel and the receptionist is super nice and she has this friend like you said that calls and just like oh just checking in oh all right yeah i, I but i do think that, that scene i don't know does seem out of place because i i'm not even kidding i did have the same thought when that scene was actually taking place i'm like why again why is this in the movie it happens um, almost each time i watch it yeah now. yeah i totally agree i feel with you like there. The throwing Frances McDormand's character into a situation where it looked like she might make it worse. Like, you're not sure what type of character she is yet. But then seeing how she's, like, strong enough to stand up for herself and not be rude to this guy, even though mm. he's definitely got some problems. Yeah. Where she's just like, yeah, I'd prefer you to sit on the other side. Because that's, the one, that's the one thing that I was able to connect um, something with with that scene was because uh, that's how she and her husband ate lunch at the buffet one time was they were side by side and they were eating. I'm like, that's kind of yeah. weird. Like, why is that happening? But when she was with her friend, she's like, no, I don't want that. You want, you go across the table. So that yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's like a trust thing. Still looking at the movie. I, but the I see story, what you mean. It feels Overall story, it definitely seems a little yeah. out of place because he's just yeah. so animated and you see him for like three minutes and then he's gone. Because that's so. something in the show you wouldn't think twice about because you have 10 episodes and you the, the season two, there's so much going on to the point where it's like, holy shit, I need to like get out like a Venn diagram and figure out what exactly is going on because there's <laughs> yeah. like seven stories. 
here it's like there's really just a one big one but there's still like little sub subplots that go down yeah this one felt a little i feel i'm thinking about that scene even more right now and i feel like it could be just to emphasize the fact that you can't trust anybody so like even though you know this person you don't know what they've been through and so maybe she went and looked at william h macy's character a little differently like he wasn't as suspicious but then she's like maybe i should go back and just see if like my hunch is wrong but then he just does like okay everything an employee should not do do not get all jittery and talking over the officer and then storming out and most importantly do not get in your car and leave and don't (laughs) yell at her and say i'm cooperating i love that scene when first everyone saw it like oh he's Uh, fleeing the interview oh no she realized she's talking to nobody and she's like oh shit she grabs the phone (laughs) yeah she's standing there all pregnant just like um Hello, <laughs> anyone? Spencer, if I'm not wrong, I think the, just, uh, in the TV series, there's also a pregnant officer. Yeah, no, the yeah, parallels that, are literally uncanny. Because I um, just thought just, of that, actually, Just now. a little twist to it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. Interesting, yeah. But I think I think Steve Buscemi was severely underrated as an actor. And he always is. He's he always just, great in whatever he's in. Just and he's good guy. at fast-talking <laughs> and just doing these obscure things and i feel like a lot of his characters are basically the same person like him in this him in armageddon him in the big lebowski just talking little weasels even in monsters inc and like, of course that's uh, fucking he, Steve wait is he randall <laughs> yeah he's randall. he is randall Jeez. it's like of course he is <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and Mr. the monsters in the scare floor will be painted no it'll be empty um Jesus. Sorry, I had to get that in there. But his his character was just he, he was like the perfect antagonist. Like he's the scummy little leader of this entire thing. Just the way he talked and the way he hates debating. He doesn't want to debate. He said that like eight times in the entire movie. No, Jerry, I'm not going to debate. We know you're not going to debate. No one's asking you to. But as bad guys, there was the perfect back and forth. The guy who talks and then the brute. The yeah. strong man, um, who is funny in his own right, just sitting there and watching the static on like this love story on TV. Like he's just a Bruce Campbell and cameo. That was yep. Bruce Campbell on the uh, TV screen, and it's funny because Bruce Campbell's in season two of Fargo. <laughs> he's also I was he's, Ron, he's, he's Ronald Reagan. Yeah, he plays Ronald Reagan. I'd say he's probably friends with oh, Francis McDormand and Sam Raimi because at one point she lived with. Sam Raimi and the Cohen brothers. Well, Joel <laughs> Cohen, or maybe it was Ethan Cohen. He was a co-editor of uh, the Evil Dead, the first. Okay, one. yeah. So they all knew each other at some point. I think uh, one performance that we definitely should talk about, at least a little bit, is uh, Harv Frisnell, who played the the father-in-law, plays Wade. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just love the dynamic. I hated him. I know he he's a guy that you hate, but you gotta love the dynamic of William H Macy trying to get this lie like around him and try to make this entire situation work and he just he's trying to be so nice at the same time and get this around him so he can you know save his wife and get the money but of course this guy is just like you know what i'm gonna do it myself like a total idiot but i think that his performance no, give me the amazing. phone let me talk to him <laughs> no no wade they they said they need to deal with me these these guys are serious they're dangerous it's like shut up yeah oh, heck. <laughs> i think we need to go with say, jerry on say this something one. else you're 
you're darn tootin'. Like, say something else. Like, he didn't even really have that great of an accent, except for you're darn tootin' and the goofiness. Like, oh, Jerry Lundegaard. <laughs> yeah, but his performance, this is probably one of my favorite performances from William mm-hmm. H. Macy. He's done a lot of great work. I haven't seen Shameless. I know he's, I've heard he's great in that show. But no, this is easily, like, the best performance I've seen from William H. Macy. I love his accent. I love his, I don't love his character, but I love what he brought to the character. And now, like... He was trying so hard to remain like charismatic, but he just, you know, is doing these. He's a snake in the grass. It really is, is. The, uh, um, the performance that kind of got him his acting career as well, because he he kind of had to work for this one. He literally did, I think, two script readings for the Coen Brothers, and then they invited him again, and he went all the way out to New York again to read read for the same guy because originally he was actually reading to be one of the police officers and they were like hey you want to be jerry instead we love your we love your accent and your old demeanor so um, <laughs> i yeah. also read that um francis mcdormand was looking to play some sort of like prostitute or like some like serial killer yeah in the film and <laughs> was kind of like oh i'm playing a pregnant police officer okay and then as she was doing the role, she realized how much of a blessing in disguise it was and like how much she just embodied the character and it earned her an Oscar. And it's, I think it's my favorite performance from her. I, I oh, love for her. sure. Yeah, it has to be because it's just such a, such an iconic character that is just so enjoyable to watch rather than just her shitting in a bucket, you know. Um, but obviously <laughs> she is a, a great performer in multiple aspects, but this one is just easily the most entertaining. <laughs> Sorry. You had to bring up that one scene. Yeah. Just the one I, well, scene. Well, it happens multiple like, times. I'm going to segue into just asking you guys, like, in this movie, there's so many great moments. Do you have a moment that just stands out to you when you think of Fargo? hundred percent. It's the iconic scene at the end of the film with the wood chipper. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just he's shoving the foot down with the log. And then Francis McDormand sees it, has the reaction, points the gun. And, um, you know. That's just like one of the most iconic scenes that I have to this day always remembered uh, just because of how shocking it is. It's just iconic. It's so brutal. I, mm. I think for me, it it kind of has to be like the, the triple murder scene. I know that I mean, it's sort of the beginning of the film, but it's just like the moment that really just like lays lays it out there of like what this film is going to be. Where you see the blood literally pour out of this police officer's skull and then they chase down two innocent people and shoot them point blank in the face. It's like, holy fucking shit. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely quite the film and that scene definitely lays it out for you. One that I remember that isn't necessarily a big scene, but it's just the way it's handled, is the scene on in the parking garage rooftop oh, when yeah. the fa- the father's delivering the money, and then Steve Buscemi gets out and he's like, "Who the fuck are you? Where's Jerry?" That's a really good impression. Yeah. Actually, and, he, <laughs> and then when he gets that. He gets shot, and it cuts right through his face. Oh, it's so God. brutal. Just seeing yeah, exactly. him change the Band-Aid and stuff, where he's just like, God, you don't talk for four hours? <sighs> My God. This one, I would say, I'm going to give it a, a four and a half out of five, but on a third watch, where I really can just sit and enjoy it again, it could be a five out of five, just because it's got the thrill crime aspect, while also the dark comedy which it just worked. It's fantastic. Four and yeah. a half out of five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so someday I'll finally make like a top 100 films of all time, and this movie will 100% be on it. Uh, this is a five out of five for me. I just I love this world. Uh, this is my probably my favorite Coen Brothers film. I've seen it the most, I think, and each time I watch it, 
it just literally flies by like you said it, it just goes by in a blink of an eye and and yeah like that one little gripe i have with the, the friend character I, I mean i can i see it making more sense now that especially how you kind of broke it down so uh i won't fault it on that because i was kind of leaning towards that uh, but no five out of five this is a classic for me yeah um i do have a Ooh, hard time the word classic and I think it's 1996 at this point. The movie is almost 30 years. Is it 30 years old? No, 25th anniversary I, I, two days ago on Monday. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, you did mention that. Yesterday yeah. was the 25th anniversary of Fargo. Crazy. So the film could literally get an antique license. Plate. It is our age. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, are, well. we are Fargo. Nate, you are Fargo. <laughs> Nate, was, we are all Fargo. Before your birthday. <laughs> yeah, you are yeah. Fargo. <laughs> no, I think Fargo. this film is absolutely a classic. Just it. I just, I just love kind of the whole lore behind it with the Coen brothers just making it seem like you know it's based off real events which yeah i mean stuff like this most likely has happened up there but they thought about it after the fact they're like oh yeah i guess there was a wood chipping accident up there but or maybe it wasn't an accident murder slash murder for hire type plot but it has nothing to do with the film we'll make sure it doesn't happen again but i i think there's just so many amazing performances in this movie the characters are so likable but also you can hate on them as well and the atmosphere that they create with Roger Deakins cinematography is just incredible. The music is iconic. Just, just, yeah, I really have always loved this movie. And the TV show is something to check out as well. Um, it's, it's just really fantastic. So if you've never been up to the Midwest, this genuinely is how people talk up there. And it's quite fascinating uh, compared to, especially down in Miami where everybody's an asshole. So, um, yeah, I think definitely watch this movie. I'm going to go four and a half out of five. Uh, I don't. I've only seen it three, four times, but it probably would hit a five out of five at some point. It is. Uh, I'm glad we watched it. It's very, very, very good. I know it's probably going to hit a five out of five for me at some point, just yeah. because it's, it's just, it's so good. It's so solid, and it's just easy to just pop in if you have an hour and a half, watch something great happen, and even laugh. Yeah, a couple times. You will. <laughs> like when he's scraping the windshield and then he slips throws the thing like yells picks it up and just goes and continues to scrape they, they add this realistic feel to it that just works this yeah. movie's great that is one of the Maybe better watch scenes fargo well. tonight <laughs> there's a little bit of physical media to talk about that we can kind of poke around with in terms of just like the behind yeah. the scenes and stuff but uh, i was gonna say was this the this, you just had the basic blu-ray Blu right yeah it's a, yeah it's a very traditional blu-ray um we can get a little physical here there's basically a 30 minute documentary on there called the minnesota nights documentary which kind of goes into detail about like how about the setting why the coen brothers who are actually originally from the minneapolis area so they were very familiar with the whole setting of the of the movie and also how people talked up there kind of how they uh, carried themselves they actually kind of compared it to uh like it's siberia which is basically just like a frozen lace wasteland but there's diners with pancakes that's like they're really the only difference because like you go through all these towns a lot of them have very like russian names but you'll just come across diners with like paintings of like russian royalty on the walls and then they just sell pancakes and everybody's like wicked nice so it's and the just, town's it's, called bolshevik yeah and well the, t the <laughs> town actually that this takes place in is brainerd right but uh yeah the uh the coen brothers were like that's not really a good film name we'll just go with fargo so that's why it's actually called fargo <laughs> even though the film doesn't take place technically there at least they're honest about it <laughs> yeah exactly but aside mm -hmm. from the scene where steve buscemi is going to bury the money at the end you know how he's like he like trudges through the snow yeah that stuff. looks legitimate um they actually like they drove north like quite a while to find a spot where they could film that because like everything looks the same so they could have really filmed that anywhere <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
as long as they just showed like the long fence that way yeah which is you can distinguish that it's in the middle i just i love that shot because i think that actually does carry over to the series as well would you say it's worth watching if you were if someone out there had the blu-ray and they don't typically watch like like, the features do you think they should it's like 25 minutes if you're interested in the cohen brothers it kind of breaks down like how they conduct themselves on set they seem and this is back in the 90s given so like this is before they really created most of their films before old country for no man or what did i just call it old country for (laughs) no country for old men old country for no man (laughs) before old country for damn it no country for old men uh but yeah they they just seem like the most like laid back kind of uh non-hollywoodized directors that are just kind of sort of easygoing they'll enjoy being on set but also just be like yeah let's do it again you know whatever if you're interested in that type of thing yeah check it out it does do a little behind the scenes about the area that this place is shot in I, d- I don't know if there's another version of the blu-ray like if there's i don't think there's a criteria there's a couple or... of editions i looked it up on blu-ray.com there's a couple of editions i don't know how much more uh information or extras are included yeah. but maybe there's some different releases yeah that's fargo well how how far will criminals go to get money? <laughs> Quite far, if you've ever watched a movie. Oh, that wasn't a very good joke. But I think that concludes it for episode nine of Collector's Corner with the uh, Coen Brothers Fargo. Thanks a lot, John, for not picking a, a crappy movie. Oh, I, sure. I, I, I do, I do appreciate that. Um, but we have episode ten, the first double double digit episode coming up, and. It's ya boy. It's me. It's my pick. Oh, how I'm ready to put John through the grinder. Oh, you mean the wood chipper? Oh, through the wood Thank chipper, you. exactly. Actually, I'm <laughs> I'm uh I'm taking it a little easy this week. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm going with the John Hughes classic. No way. The Breakfast no. Club. Oh, nice, Iconic. dude. I think I actually Oh, I don't have the Blu-ray. I gave it away. Damn it. Oh, man. This is the Criterion Collection Edition. Spine 905. That, uh, <laughs> it'll be the Breakfast Club for episode 10 of Collector's Corner, which will come out next Wednesday. Um, so we hope you guys had a great time. But we do do other things. We don't just talk about oh, physical God. media. Spencer, what do we do? What are we known for? Uh, yeah, we also have another show, the TMD Main Show, where we talk about three critically acclaimed films that we have never seen before. Uh, the podcast coming out this week are three films all on HBO Max. You can watch them as well. You still have some time. But it's going to be the original Superman from the 70s, Margaret, and Winds of Desire. So you can check those out on HBO Max. Come back on Saturday, March 13th, and you know join the discussion of what we're going to be talking about. And new poll this weekend. So keep an eye out for that and vote what we're going to be talking about for the next one yes vote 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 i must implore you to vote on the polls Um, oh yeah so that's all the other shows that we do um don't don't we have one more we actually just released an episode on ray of the last dragon i don't think we do uh for mainstream boys which is a weekly show that we do where spencer and i get together grab a big bucket of popcorn an ice cold cherry coke maybe some snow caps maybe some kombucha this week spencer had kombucha and we uh, talk about the new release films of the week. I would watch a million Bella Thorne movies over one Joey King movie. I, I thought you were going to say much. over listening to one episode of Mainstream Boys. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> and as always, stay physical. Let's go.